Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Ben Standick here. A little more muted uh, intro from me this time at training camp. Uh, day one is in the books. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, sort of uh, d- doing this a uh, podcast. Little bit on, on, on the fly without my usual technology at hand, but a good podcast nonetheless. Um, the great David Aldridge joined me here. He is here in Richmond with me. We talked about what we saw day one, the return of Landon Collins, Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance, just some other other subtle uh, observations, as well as just sort of the, the overall message from Ron Rivera that is becoming more and more. Uh, obvious about you know what he's looking for for this team going forward and then of course with da here we've got to take advantage of that we talked a bunch about the wizards uh at the end of the conversation uh, possible future for bradley beal russell westbrook what the washington might do in the draft and so on so a fun conversation here on the podcast and of course you can also check out uh, what i did uh yesterday with michael phillips in the richmond times dispatch kind of talking about the camp overall and uh, some some good tidbits in there as well so check that out you can follow of course the podcast on itunes or spotify subscribe there follow me on the athletic i've got an observations article it's up right now right now meaning it's in the afternoon or early evening on wednesday but you can check that out up on the athletic um as well and if you can subscribe to the athletic we've got a 50 percent off uh, deal right now so if you click on my article you should be able to find that and get to it um we'll get to all of that uh in just a sec um look obviously it's it's just day one of camp and um you know I, da and i talked about this a little bit but i think part of what's interesting is just sort of the tone that rivera is continuing to set including you know it's not just that they signed jonathan resigned jonathan allen and, and logan thomas uh to, to new deals it's just sort of the message that kind of comes with it that these are guys who are um, not only talented players, but they're mature type, mature players, bring a presence in the locker room. And um, it, it, it goes with the culture fit that Rivera talks about over and over again. Talent is a lot. If you don't, you don't win without talent, but you also don't win if that talent isn't properly um, harnessed, directed, if the players involved aren't mature enough to understand what's happening. And one thing that Rivera talked about today was the maturity he's looking for does not talk he's not talking about you know uh go you know not going out or th- not going out and partying or whatever he's talking about the ability to recognize that they did they did well last year but that's not enough they have to do more and build on that and that is what the hope is and what they're hoping to to do and i think for me that was sort of the overriding tone of everything out here so we'll get into some of that we'll get into it with more here in da um and we'll get back into a regular podcast uh, schedule from with, with my with my usual mic and laptop and all that good stuff. So, uh, in any event, I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Well, as I said, David and Alder and I start talking about training camp, but then for you interested in the Wizards, stay tuned for those thoughts because obviously DA is as plugged in as you can be. All right, so that's it for right here. Let me get to it. My conversation with David Aldridge here on the Standing Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here live from Richmond. Is it live if I'm recording the podcast? I I don't know. But live from Richmond, the man for better, who is responsible for better or for worse from bringing me to the athletic. Oh, my God. David Aldridge is with me. Uh, needless to say, it's a lot going on with the Wizards and the NBA, and we'll, of course, tap into DA's insight into that. But we're here for training camp, so we have to discuss this. Day one in the books. 
Um, you know, relatively speaking, it was uneventful in the best of ways. Yeah. I mean, they, they got their work done. I guess what stood out to me on some level was who was here and who wasn't. Landon Collins was actually doing things, which I really did not expect. Yeah. And Curtis Samuel, as we kind of knew, wasn't here. Uh, but just uh, I'll just start just broad broad strokes. What stood out to you as, as things kind of got going here? You know, I mean, you look at the quarterback first, right? You know, when everybody wants to know, it looked like they were fairly split reps uh, between Fitzpatrick and Heineke. So, I mean, Ron Rivera is big on competition. He said that. Certainly looks that way. Uh, with Lucas out, I guess Cosme came in and played right tackles and he moved everybody around a little bit. Um, you know, he got blown up a couple of times, which you would expect a rookie to get blown up. So, um, But, yeah, like you said, I mean, the tempo was good. It seemed to me, I'd be curious your perspective on it, there was a kind of sobriety to how they went through stuff today. Like, there was not a lot of chirping going on out there. Looked like they wanted to come in, get their work in, and get off the field. And it wasn't like it was unbearably hot out here. It was hot. Uh, but compared to other days when we've been down here, it wasn't, it, to me, it wasn't as bad as all. There was a little breeze going. So it seemed like there was a seriousness, which I like. They were like, hey, we're about getting some, getting some work done and, and, you know, like, what did he say the other day? It's, um, I forget the phrase that Rivera used, but it's go time, I yeah. think. Yeah, so I like that. Well, to your point, like, you know, on the one hand, it was kind of surreal walking back in here because it's like as if, like, the last year didn't happen, which obviously it did. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was yeah. – we saw it happening in, in the form of some players were wearing masks because of their uh, vaccination status. But in terms of, like, what you're talking about – I, right. The last time we were here, guys like Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger and others are, you, you mentioned chirping, like there's a lot of, the, the, there was always like watch the defensive backs yeah. and, and and see, you know, what's what's going to happen. You're right. It, it, it Now that you said it, there wasn't really any of that. It was just a lot. Of, granted, there were no pads, things yeah. like that, but there were still passes being thrown in the air and, and coverage was happening and uh, people attacking each other in line. And it did seem largely... Um, business like when they were stretching, one of the fans yelled out. Chase Young was near the fans and yelled out, "You know, Chase, give us a smile." And he turned and and accommodated. Um, so, so there was some playfulness. Well, yeah. but, but, but once it got going, it was kind of serious. And in terms of the offense, I mean, this is the thing with Fitzpatrick, right? Like, he's I keep saying he's like the funhouse version of Alex Smith. They both are highly professional locker room leaders, but there is. Uh, but, but the ball's going to go up the field with him. So you st- you had the seriousness of, hey, we're not screwing around. I got things to do. I'm 38. We got to get this done. This is an opportunity for me. And also, the ball went north and, uh, as opposed to east west a lot. And that just always stands out to me because I'm just not used to that watching this team. Yeah, no. And, you know, you saw all of Fitzpatrick out there. He made three or four throws into tight coverages, into tight windows that were like, Wow, that's a heck that's a heck of a throw. And to your point, downfield. It wasn't he wasn't checking down. He was throwing deep outs and deep cut ins and all that sort of thing. And there were also a couple of pick sixes. There would have been pick sixes in a real game. And you just said, Whoa, okay, there's that too. He's just you know, he's a gunslinger. He's gonna let it go. Um, so you're gonna have to ride the wave with him all season, I think. Anybody else stand out to you? It's always a fun time. You get to see like the Jared Pattersons of the world. Who yeah. you know he slithered through the line a few times yeah. and um, you, you know uh, you know Adam Humphreys had a 
had a good catch. The, the, probably the, the uh, I keep joking about the, the viral video that didn't happen where Taylor Heineke throws a completion to Samus Reyes. That if everybody had seen that, that would have been uh, a, a huge moment yeah. for everybody involved. Was there anybody else that either you saw something today or maybe to the point going forward the rest of the week that you're kind of excited to see what they can or can't do? Well, I mean, you know, you're always looking at the defense first, right? And to see, as you mentioned, Collins was out there and I didn't expect that. Um, and Rivera talked afterwards about being thinking there will be ways to play Collins and Curl together this year, which is interesting to me because that's what I wasn't sure about. Like, how do you play them both? Because they both are kind of strong safeties, good ones, I think. Um, and Curl played great last year. Um, but he talked about maybe playing them some at free and some at Buffalo and all that sort of thing. So th- what was interesting to me was whether it was that or, or seeing Kaliki Hudson on the field um, a lot more than he was last year. Um, they have a lot of depth defensively that it looks like they're going to utilize throughout the season. And, and if you think of it, I started was thinking about this today. Like, So it's not so much about picking 11 guys. It's about picking like 18 guys, right? <laughs> and then just kind of rotating those 18 guys through the season. Well, they have, I can think on one, you know, I can count pretty quickly up to about 15 or 16 that you go, okay, all those guys are going to be part of this thing, um, including Davis, the first-round pick. Um, so that's going to be intriguing to me. How do they utilize this defense in ways where they're doing the attacking as opposed to reacting to what the offenses are doing? And and from to the point of, like, a, you know, Underrated guys. Uh, they had a lot of de- deflected passes all yeah, along the defensive sure. line. Did and William Bradley King, one of the two seventh round pick defensive ends, had at least a couple of them. Yeah. According to uh, my, my, my spotters, uh, you know, can't, can't, see, can't see every play at all times out, out here. But uh, that, that's what that's what it sounded like there. Yeah. Um, you know, what's so interesting also for me about all this is watching. We're, we're, we're learning so much about Rivera because he's more than just the coach. Yeah. He's the, the head of, of everything. And part of what was intriguing to me about the Jonathan Allen situation was, and I, and I wrote about this the other day, was we haven't – is he going to assign guys to, to long-term deals? Does he truly believe this? Yeah. And, you know, we've now gotten past that, that barrier. He's done that, and they did it with, with two guys. And you mentioned Landon Collins. I'm not going to sit here and say Landon Collins shouldn't be the starter. We'll have to see how he's looking physically. He looked – pretty reasonable I thought yeah. today all things considered but like he wasn't playing that great last year Cameron Curl did do some pretty good things and yeah. I think Kent Curl's ability to play close to the line of scrimmage and the deep center field yeah. is a really nice weapon and it's not something that Landon Collins really offers at the same time do you tell a player you're gonna have to sit when it's a guy like a guy like Landon Collins yeah. I mean we you know talk about the Wizards a lot and you know, it's one of the things we saw with Scott Brooks at times. Like, he clearly would not tell certain veterans what seemed to be the logical thing that they need to do things a certain way. Yeah. Some coaches want to go there and some don't. I, I'm not, I, and I'll be curious because that would be a big deal if Rivera were to actually do that. Again, yeah. I'm not saying he will or he, or he should, yeah. but, I am, but I am sort of curious to see how it navigates over time because you mentioned there are a lot of other guys. And on a certain strategic level, I would imagine – other players would be a better fit for the mixing and matching they want to do than Collins, who is sort of limited. At the same time, I, that, that 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 could be a, a, a big move, uh, cause some strife if you were to sit a guy like that or even limited his play. So I'm just sort of curious to see how Rivera navigates yeah. if it starts becoming obvious that maybe there's some better ways to go. I would, you know, I always, you know, I always have to remember, especially with football, 
Landon Collins is not Ron Rivera's guy. <laughs> he did not sign him. He didn't bring him here. And so there is no, I don't think there's any romanticism about it with, with Rivera. If he thinks Collins can play in a certain, you know, in a, in a certain role in a certain way and, and encourages him to do that, then Landon's going to have to do that, you know, because we've seen Ron has, uh, you know, very little compunction about benching guys, sitting guys, burying guys that, that he doesn't think are with the program. So um, there's a financial component to it as well, of course, um, which is which is greater than a lot of other guys that Ron has kind of decided will go in another direction. You know, as much as Dwayne Haskins was a was a big story financially, it was not an enormous, you know, outlay to get rid of him. It wasn't, you know, and so um, Landon Collins would be a much bigger financial outlay if that went if it got to that point. So I'm guessing that he's going to try and figure out a way to utilize him that makes sense. And but it's but it may well not be what Landon's preferred role would be. So well that will be one thing they'll keep an eye on during the during camp and the preseason to be sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to say you mentioned before that Heineke and, and, and Fitzpatrick were kind of splitting. I mean, tell me if I miss it. I, it looked to me like Fitzpatrick was mostly with the one, yeah. Van Heineke with the two. So yeah. it was clear in that distinction. I'm still, I could be way off here. I still would in my head still feel like there's more of a real battle at two between mm -hmm. Heineke and Kyle Allen than there is right. at one. And and I think if, if, if I'm Rivera on some level, you can't have three guys compete for, for one job. Yeah. At that job, yeah, it's impossible from a rep's perspective, and obviously it's Fitzpatrick. So part of me keeps wondering: Did he just sort of say, "Look, I, I've already established we're having a competition. God, we're doing it. I didn't do it last time. I've already said I'm going to have it." Right. So he has to pick somebody. He can't say all three of them. Yeah. So they went with Heineke, maybe in part because Kyle Allen was still you know, coming off the injury. Also, look, maybe they just think Heineke is better. I still like. We've seen five quarters of him here. They've seen a little bit more because they had him in Carolina. Yeah. But it's still like, oh, wow, really? But um, uh, I guess I'm kind of weighing that. Do you see – I mean, I know we just said this, but, like, is there any any world that you see Heineke actually get in there, or what do you think it would take? Does I it, mean, I, yeah, I don't I, – not not by week one, certainly. I mean, Fitzpatrick would have to – he would have to play so badly, and he'd have to do, make so many mistakes out here that they would have no choice. And I don't see him making that many mistakes. I think he's going to be high risk, high reward all season. But they already know that. You know what I mean? So you can't, you're not going to, you're not going to replace him if he throws a bad interception. That's his MO. That's what he's done throughout his career, along with throwing a lot of touchdowns. You know, so I don't, I don't see a scenario where he plays himself off the field. And I think that's what it would take for them to turn to Heineke for week one. Now, if, you know, they start slow, he plays badly, you know, the team seems like it needs a spark, then yeah, maybe they maybe they take a look at Heineke. But I would I would just be surprised. I tend to agree with you, Ben. I, I just think, you know, I don't know why you would I don't know why you'd bring Ryan Fitzpatrick here if you weren't gonna start him. You know, like that doesn't it's not like it was in Miami where he was they were clearly invested. In Tonga Vailola. You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense. Okay, when you need a back. There's nobody here. So, why would you bring him here if you weren't going to start him? So, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that it's his job to lose, and I just don't see, I don't see how we can lose the job 
between now and week one against the Chargers. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see either. Um, uh, you mentioned that Landon Collins, a guy like that, not Ron Rivera's guy. He did not sign him, didn't yeah. bring him. Ron Rivera did not draft Terry McLaurin, but I feel confident believing <laughs> that Ron Rivera would, would say that Terry McLaurin is one of his, guy, one sure. of his guys. McLaurin sure. spoke to us today along with John Allen and Logan Thomas, and you know, obviously those guys signed extensions and to a degree. That's more of the story of the week, but yeah. that was, you know, okay, we're, we, we, we've done that and yeah. we can move yeah. forward. We, uh, uh, there's a reason why for that. McLaurin is like on some level to me the poster child of everything a guy like Rivera could possibly want. He's yeah. highly talented, can do all the things you want to do as a receiver, great speed, Chris Brown runner, all that. But then the maturity that he brings, he came in and talked to us for a few minutes and, you know, uh, I was about to drop, use the term master class performance, but <laughs> it's overstated, but he's just so good at, he's engaged with us. And, and you know, I always think the more we talk to these people, you get a better sense of just who they are yeah. and what they reveal to their own teammates and their yeah. people. And he is just constantly engaged. He speaks with sincerity. When, when a lot of guys say they're going to go out and do you know, they, they put in all the work. I believe it sometimes. You know, there, there, there's examples of certain players that we both have covered. I'm like, okay, you keep telling me that, but I, I don't I know. Don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it. But but with him, I buy it. And, you know, Rivera just has to point to him, whether it's the other receivers sure. in the room or anybody else on the team and say, that guy. Yeah. See what that guy is doing? Yeah. And obviously not everybody can be a hyper-mature human being. I, for one, cannot be. I'm not, I don't have that in my, my skill set. But he is, and he's just so wildly impressive. And since today was the first day we got to see, speak to him again, yeah. it was just a reminder that, yeah, this guy, you know, we can talk about Samuel, we can talk about his other things, but, like, on the offensive side, yeah. you know, I, I just see, you call it a breakout performance or not, I just see a, a McLaurin going up another level. I mean, I, you know, he's one of the guys that, that you would expect is on their very short list of who's going to get, who's the next guy to get an extension, right? I mean, so um, it won't be this year because they don't have to, but... Sometime in the next couple of years, I would certainly think he's going to, they're going to put their money where their mouth is with, with McLaurin. And, you know, yes, I mean, he's just impressive. He's impressive in every way. Um, he's impressive on the field. He's impressive off the field. I think he's impressive to his teammates. They see the example. They see the work he puts in. It shows up, as you as we talked about on Sundays and, and Monday nights, it shows up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that leads you to believe you know, and he spoke very highly of Curtis Samuel and how they've been studying together during the you know, OTAs and during the offseason. So you certainly think there's there's a chance for this offense to take a big step up, big step up, because they were there were weeks last year where they were just horrendous. Um, and if, if this offense could just be competent, you know, to the point of putting up 20, 24 points a game. I mean, it's just hard to see this defense getting gashed week after week, especially with Ioannidis being back, adding Davis in the draft, adding Jackson at corner, getting Collins back. I mean, you just see so much. There's just so much talent. Now, I know you got to do it on the field. I get it. I get it. But it's just hard to see them taking a step back. I just... They were... then They built to it. They weren't that way week one, but by week nine or ten they were pretty doggone good defensively and I just I just don't see how they can't be good defensively this year um they seem to have just about everything checked up now we'll see about the linebackers I know that's the that's the area where you kind of still don't see it maybe but um you know the front the front four the back four five look 
pretty good to me, so we'll see. Yeah, and, and just you know, sort of the last of McLaurin, and I, by the way, the the twenty two the twenty twenty two off season, he can negotiate yeah. a, a new deal. Uh, it may be Rob Rogers' mo to wait until the last second, based on what we just saw here and yeah. things I've heard. I, I mean, if, assuming the McLaurin has a season comparable to what he's done or builds on it. Sure seems like that's a pretty quick conversation. Hey, Terry, we'd like to give you gobs of money and have you stay around for a while. Would you be interested in doing that? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Let's let's get let's that. Do it. Let, 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 let's do that. Um, the, the, the guy from the moment McLaurin came into the, into town mm -hmm. that he reminded me of, not so much somebody here, but somebody with the other team we're going to discuss is Bradley Beal. Oh, they, yeah. they, they both just from like a maturity perspective. Yes. Beyond their years, as, yeah. the, as the kids like to say. Yeah. I don't know if the kids actually say that. They don't. Um, I'm, you know, I'm old. Uh, so, um, and you know, obviously, it's very different things. The, the Bradley Beal, one guy in the NBA is it's a massive. He's yeah. a, he's, a, he's one guy is everything. He's like, McLaurin is a piece of the puzzle, a big important piece, but a piece of of the puzzle. But I was gonna say, do you see, uh, as somebody who's been around, well, you, you've been around Beal obviously a, a ton, but is there do you, do you see sort of that? Uh, Comparison. Oh, sure. And, you know, you could compare them to like Ryan Zimmerman with the Nationals. Same kind of guy, you know, um, just the guy that that's that's a complete professional that has been that has talked about the right things and done the right things and set set these incredible examples for their team over a long period of time. Right. So, yeah, I, there's no question that that Beal and, and McLaurin are very comparable to me. Um and, and are kind of carry themselves in a, in a very kind of sober way. And I mean sober, I don't mean in terms of drinking, I mean just a sober, serious kind of way. But, you know, want to win, want to do the things that are necessary to win. Um, and, and again, get better and better every year. I mean, I think the thing that, that you love about Bradley Beal is that he continues to evolve and improve. And that it's not just, a, you know, a catch-and-shoot guy, which is what we all kind of thought he was the first couple of years in the league. And he's really turned into a guy that can score at three levels and really hasn't been a, as good a catch-and-shoot guy of late as he was earlier in his career. But but he does so much more now that he's a much better player. So, yeah, it's a good comparison, I think. Now, here's where the comparison may end. We're talking about McLaurin here for the long haul. Yeah. I, by, by the time this podcast comes up, I don't even know. Is Bradley Beal still yeah, still yeah. on this team? So you were on a, a conference call today with Tommy Shepard. You're yes. paying attention. The draft is uh, Thursday, which is not necessarily a tipping point in the Bradley Beal world, but if they're going to actually yeah. trade him, you logically would like to do it before the draft to get right. picks and then use those picks to how you want them as opposed right. to just having to take on these players. And if, if Beal were to get traded, I think you got to trade Russell Westbrook. They could also right. decide we're going to run it back because the owner wants to get the playoff money and be the, and he's willing to take the sixth seed even if it delays any thought of being real a real contender and me just even saying that i think this gave david uh an, an ulcer uh so so where where are you at obviously to pull off any trade is not simple and there's a lot of variables and at the moment i think tommy shepherd you were on the conference call today but from what i saw you said he said that he he's not been asked Beal has not asked right. for a trade maybe that happens maybe it doesn't if you have to guess at this point what's your sense of what's going to happen with uh, Beal and then in turn everything else. Well, I think this is on, you know, this is up to, to Bradley Beal. I think if Bradley Beal wants to be traded, he needs to tell, he needs to say so. Um, he's obviously thinking about his future. And if his future does not, if he doesn't see, you know, vast improvement in the roster, um, I'll just say this. I mean, I wrote this the other day, like, I think they should trade him. 
but I still haven't seen, and I haven't checked social media today, but I've still not seen anything from either Beal or Russell Westbrook saying what a great hire the new coach is. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't like him or they won't play hard for him if they stay. But normally, you see, hey, we, we I can't wait to work with this guy. He's brilliant. He's smart. You know, we, we know him from this, that, or the other. I know a guy that knows him or, or, I, or I got teammates that played for him. And, and, and it just... You just don't get the sense that there is excitement about bringing in Wes Unsell Jr. No, I get it. They're veterans. I don't think they want a new head coach that's just in his first year as a head coach in the NBA. They want somebody that's been around, that's done some stuff. And, and so you just, I just, again, I'm a cynic. I get it. But I don't know how this ends with. Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook leading a parade down Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, because I don't know how you make the roster better with the 15th pick and, you know, a $9.5 million exception. Yeah, there's some, they'll get somebody to take it because it's, it's good money and there's lots of players in the league who, who, will, who will take it. But will that guy, will the guy they take 15th in the first round be a difference maker? Be somebody that really takes them or helps take them to another level? I don't see that. Now, again, I could be wrong because Giannis Antetokounmpo went 15th. So you don't know. Um, but, but even still, he didn't do it right off the bat. It's taken, it right it's, it's an evolution. Right. And uh, yeah. by the time that evolution would occur... Westbrook's contract will be over, and Beal will be thirty-three. Really, yeah. I mean, we'll see two more, two more years will pass. And I think that for me is like the larger issue. Like I've been sort of on the side of knowing that Leontis is he's unwilling to this point to you know we will never tank was his quote. He's yeah. going to have to go back on his word, yeah. which he should. <laughs> if if he's you know, right, um, and and I think the fact that Beal has you know there's indications that Beal's you know, thinking about his future here. To me, says a lot because previously he had at least been yeah adamant adamant about staying. Yes. If you're thinking about it, you know you, you start to get you know if you're thinking about divorce, like especially if it gets out there, right. you don't easily go back. I mean, I'm sure the Wizards would say no problem. You want to stay, great. But at the same point, if you're thinking about it, it's on your mind, and it's not just. About, I mean, it can't just be he doesn't want to get traded today. Is he signing long term? Because if he doesn't sign, they can't let him walk for nothing. Whatever they're going to get in a trade, multiple picks, a James Wiseman if they trade him to Golden yeah, State, or yeah. pick your pick your package that, that stands out to you, you can't let him get... The, the longer, at this point, the longer he stays without a trade, the low, the worse your package gets, or, you know, he he does... Um, he, you know, he decides to, uh, to, 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 to move out. Uh, if they move Beal, mm-hmm. I'm sort of almost more intrigued, though, by the Westbrook part of this. I don't think you can keep Westbrook together on a team that it would be clearly rebuilding with a bunch of kids. I think that would sour quick. But mm-hmm. they had to give up you know, Houston. It wasn't easy for Houston to get rid of him last year, and I don't know how easy it is for the Wizards to get rid of him now. So what, what, what do you think about that aspect? I, well, I've been doing this too long to think that anybody's untradeable. Nobody's untradeable. Um, it's just a matter of what you're willing to take back. You'd have to, If you were to have to trade Westbrook or wanted to trade Westbrook, you'd have to take a couple of bad contracts back. Now the question is, are you willing to do that and kind of continue to delay a potential rebuild because you have to wait for these contracts to come off your books and expire? Um, you know, that's the question that only Tommy Shepard and, and Ted Leonsis can answer. Um, but I tend to agree with you. If you trade Beal, I think I don't know how you can then keep Westbrook, um, who will have a, a certain 
who believes in himself to the point where who's a ball dominant guard um, and they already have a guy in Denny Abdia to me who was touted before the draft last year as somebody that can be a, a ball maker, a ball handler, and a playmaker, right? Well, you can't do that if Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal have the ball all the time. <laughs> There's just not enough time in the shot clock. So, again, if you like Denny Abdia, fine. Let's see him play. <laughs> but let's see him play the way you think is the best version of him, not trying to be a catch-and-shoot guy because he never touches the ball. And that's not a criticism of Beal or Westbrook. That's who they are, and they're both really good. And so... But you have to then build a team around them that shoots the basketball. <laughs> like so, it, they just continue to me to be at cross purposes in terms of the type of team they're trying to build or that they say they want to build, and and the type of people that they bring in every year. It just seems like you're always trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if you're a team that says we're going for the sh- we're going for the kill now because you think you have a shot. We see that all the time, and that's fine. But then you're building towards that, and every move should be made in correspondence right. to how do we help you in Westbrook. It doesn't necessarily, however, when you're then drafting younger players, are you drafting to fill in a Beal and Westbrook thing, or are you doing it for the long haul? Yeah. It, it's kind of hard to do both. And by the time that De, uh, that, that, that Denny in two years, and Westbrook and Beal would potentially be gone, have Denny Avdia and Rui Hachimura, and then whatever else you get, will those players have been put in the position to maximize their abilities, or will they have just been sort of waiting in the wings for these other guys mm-hmm. to get out of the way they went you know they're, they're the the side piece is not the main part and that's where i think this is all it's it, it, it's just, it's it's not this just the middle ground of you don't want to be in the, the, the that that tier that you know you're not bad enough to be in the lottery and you're not contending that's obvious i'm talking about what are they actually building towards and they're in this weird spot and that's the thing about westbrook he he whatever west Huntsville jr wants to do God bless him. Russell Westbrook will do what he wants to do. And you and how do you build what you're trying to put in place if the if these guys, uh, it, it, you know, if, if you sort of have these cross purposes? Yeah. Um, just last thing, the the draft. Would you like to make a prediction for the 15th pick? Well, you know, again, if they were trying to be all about going in and doing, you know, trying to win now, to me, I'd be taking a guy like Chris Duarte. I mean, that to me, he's like he's he's mature. He's older, right? He's going to be 24 normally is the kiss of death but again you want to win now take an experienced guy who played at a in a high level conference and played very well and is a two-way player who's a who's a really good three-point shooter who's a quality plus defender that's the kind of guy that i would think you would want to add as opposed to taking a one and done guy who's going to take three or four years to develop so what that to me will be the type of guy that they take i don't think duarte is going to be there at 15 so they'd have to move up um, if he's not there, if they don't like him, ah, I, you know, it gets problematic. Again, Kispert is another guy, shoots it defensively. He's not what I think you would want. Now, I hear he's not, I, what people tell me, he's not as bad defensively as people might think he is, that he's a pretty smart kid, knows how to play, knows angles and things like that. But physically, he's just not as capable, I think, as some other guys defensively coming out of the draft. Um, so so it, it has to be somebody that can shoot. It has to be somebody that can shoot. It does not make any sense to not take some another person who has to learn how to be a good shooter in this league. It's got to be somebody that can catch and shoot <laughs> now. 
for it to make any sense to me. Seems like a reasonable, uh, <laughs> a re reasonable goal. Uh, go uh, read David's uh, column about the what the Wizards should do with Bradley Beal, who also have a watch. <laughs> okay, well, if you, if, you, if you don't want to read it, he just gave you the short term. But this, he offers he more nuance. Uh, go, he'll, he'll have a, a Washington football team article probably by the time a lot of you hear this. And, of course, listen to him on the Hoops Adjacent podcast. Yes, sir. Got that right. All right, go, go do all that. You can find all that on the Athletic DA. Always appreciate it. Uh, good luck this week. I, I'm, I'm only having to cover training camp. You're having to cover uh, kind of a couple different big things. So, so, so good luck. It's all right. It's the, it's the business I. It's the business we have chosen. <laughs> all right. As of course, many thanks to David Aldridge for his time. Thanks to everybody here for listening. Uh, I'll be back out here for day two of training camp as well as the rest of the week. Uh, they'll return to Ashburn next week. I'll be there for that as well. So make sure you follow along the journey here on the Standing Room Only podcast as well as follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing and read me over on The Athletic. But that's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.